0: more successful and fulfilled life get listening take action and unleash your inner confidence
1: hello and welcome to this interview with mark stokes on the confidence mastery unlock your life podcast Um, i've known mark for a number of years now and he's an absolutely phenomenal man he's an entrepreneur property developer author business mentor and and he's um, just an absolutely incredible guy. I love his methodology and the way he works. Um, and this is a really, really great in-depth conversation about all things mindset, building businesses, property, um, and where he found the confidence to go out and do the things that he's done. I think you're gonna love this episode. And um, I'd love to hear your thoughts afterwards and enjoy. Hi, Mark. Thank you for coming on the Confidence Mastery Unlock Your Life podcast.
2: It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Natalie. Good to see you again. Keep well. Lo-
1: um, yes, thank you. Despite lockdown conditions, we've been getting on with things and um, doing everything possible to keep sane. <laughs> Good stuff.
2: Good stuff. Yeah.
1: And um, how are you finding lockdown?
2: Yeah, look, it's interesting times, isn't it? Very unprecedented. Um, and we've got businesses in any number of areas and and with kids and things so i'm experiencing our life changes at a very different levels um i was just on a a, a recording earlier on just a, a zoom with a, a friend of mine not not spoken to him for for about three years and uh oh, wow. i'm gonna catch up and it's just you know blessed times where you can catch up with people and all that time that we used to spend traveling and things so I actually find I'm a lot more efficient now than I, I was before.
1: I've been thinking similar actually, although I've I work really well on trains and planes because I think it's having that set period of time. So I've been setting like a timer for pretending I'm on a train <laughs> to be more productive.
2: Yeah, I I find I um I have to bookend <laughs> the day. Um, and actually, that's something I've really worked hard on. Um, I, I still maintain my my. I get up early in the morning, you know, five six o'clock, and that that two or three hours before the family wakes up, and then I can go and have a have a cup of tea and have a bit of breakfast with them. Yeah. Um, because I've now got my home home office. I mean, how, how about this for timing? You know, they, <laughs> the, we went into lockdown. Was the day the, the builders handed over my home office keys to me? Oh amazing. <laughs> was it was like fate. <laughs> it was. So I uh so I'm banished to the bottom end of the garden now in my home office, which is fantastic. And when I come back over for uh you know for, for tea later on in the day, you know, I can I can leave my laptop there and we're playing more board games than ever we have with, with our four children. It's lovely.
1: That's nice. So are they are they coping all right at home all of the kids?
2: Yeah, not too much cabin fever, or rather, each day's different. Um, yeah. They've got their home homeschooling that, uh, that, that they're doing, and I do maths with my my youngest, Emily. She's nine. Um, she's actually a shareholder in in our business as well, um, so I, I do an hour of maths with her each afternoon. Um, so I'll be that doing is. that in a couple of hours' time. So, and I've never done that before, so I, I'm really grateful for. For some of the changes that have happened, but equally, you know, respectful that a lot of people are having a a lot more serious issues at large than than we. Yeah, are.
1: yeah. It's nice to be able to have that time to connect, and like you said about reconnecting with your old friend as well. I've you know been doing similar, and it's it's important. I think obviously, you know, our message is better together about bringing people together. I don't think there's ever been a more important time to to tell people that people need people. So, you know, the more you can do to stay connected and catch up with people that you've not seen for a while, I think that there's nice opportunity from that perspective from it.
2: I I agree. Being being present in the moment, and I've been a business a a long time, as, as you know, and you can normally tell very quickly in a conversation when When somebody's really, truly present with you, you know, they're listening to what you're saying Mm -hmm. um, compared to others who are really just kind of preparing the next question they want to ask you. And uh, so it's, I I really enjoy that. You know, I know you're a people person as well. And, um, you know, I just love that connection. And uh, thank goodness for Zoom and Skype, I see
1: oh definitely I don't know what what we would do without it (laughs) it's like I've made friends with the neighbor over the walls I've been able to actually speak to a person face to face which is nice and um managed to well I bumped into somebody that I've known for about three years didn't know he lived in York walking his dog one day and I was like what are you doing here? he was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> so we just walk his dog once a week, obviously at distance, um, which is nice just to have that face-to-face conversation, which a lot of people don't have. And this is why I've been telling people, still go and speak to strangers, you know, just because you're standing two meters away, doesn't mean you can't make eye contact and ask someone how their day is
2: yeah, that can sometimes make, make all the difference. Um, when I mean, I'm keeping, I'm keeping really busy, uh, as you know, I've always got loads of stuff on the go and, mm-hmm. uh, you're not short of ideas. And I think one of the, I, I've got a very active mind and it, you know, it's a, an incubator of ideas. So there's always 20 things there on the go. Um, I've I'm, I'm never suffer from, from boredom. That's for sure. So, uh, I'm just amazed. I mean, we're recording this on a on a Friday. I'm just amazed how quick Fridays come. Um, you know, the the weeks are just a blur at the moment. Um, yep. But equally, I'm not so sure we have weekends now. They're just, um,
1: just one day a, after another, isn't it?
2: Um, so I didn't... Up to us to put that punctuation in our lives, just to make sure we we either ignore work completely or don't become you know workaholics and uh, and hermits.
1: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like coming out the other side, making sure that we're all still okay with, you know, talking to people and and working. And so in terms of like your business, obviously, you've built up a a great commercial conversion business. And have you had to slow that down? Are you still able to work on that? What's going on there for you?
2: Um, So, yeah, business is continuing Uh, as we speak where we should be legally completing today on another development, a a large development. So um,
1: Congratulations.
2: Well, well, we're not quite there yet, but I think we're we're just a few hours uh, away from it. Um, So yeah, business is continuing, Um, our our sites, um, we're fortunate that most of our products are, are complete, although we do have a couple of construction sites on the go. The construction sites are still open you know we're following um, safe distancing measures and or travel to sites um, but I won't deny you know efficiency has dropped and you know starting to see a lack of materials in certain areas mm-hmm. we've been able to source alternatives so overall things are holding up uh, quite well Um I, I don't lead by the emotion you know I'm fairly calm under pressure and i've been involved in a lot of uh, of things over the years um and it's all about following the following the evidence following the data and it was very quickly uh i guess for many people were saying oh you know it's the right thing to do and this that and the other well let's follow government guidelines let's follow you know health safety guidelines and also let's not ignore the contracts either Mm -hmm. And, and we took uh Took a lot of time to work with our business partners, our you know our counterparties under contract, to make sure that nobody was surprised. We were all doing the right thing, uh, make sure we were joined up and communicating. And as an example, um, uh, for those of, of your listeners involved in in property development and and you know gaining commercial finance from uh, from banks, uh, you generally draw down on a monthly basis the valuations from the bank. Um, well, we spoke to the banks and w- we don't have the liquidity issue, but we were concerned that, you know, possibly our main contractors uh, may experience liquidity issues. So we had a chat with the bank and said, would you mind if we went on to fortnightly valuations rather than monthly valuations? You know, it's just a simple thing. The facility is there and, and I've learned that lesson over life. If you, um, over, over many years, um, if you take the time to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, in this case, the main contractor and the bank and ourselves, um, quite often you can find a win-win-win situation where everybody wins, everybody gets what they want.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I've just seen so many so many times over the construction industries of the world, you know, I've worked in 33 countries over my career, and generally the construction industry, you know, bayonet, bayonets the wounded and robs the bodies you know Um, if i can make some profit it's generally at the expense of somebody else and there's a better way of doing it and we really enjoy that creating shared value approach and we're sticking to that even even through the tough times
1: that's why i like you because you're so true and honest and it's not just about the profit for you it's the it's creating that value for everyone and that makes a difference and that's why yeah, that's
2: why I like you. <laughs> well, we, you know, we work with a, a lot of people, and, and thank you for that. Um, all of our partners, you know, our our investors. Um, we have one investor called me the other day and said, "Look, Mark, I'm not in a good place. I've just lost two family members through um, COVID nineteen. Um, so like, I'm not going to be able to, uh, you know, go ahead with with the investment." It's like absolutely fine. You know, we're playing the long game here. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever died from, an, from a hole in an investment funding round. Uh, and here's a guy who's lost two, two close members of the family. And having that empathy, playing that long game, understanding their concerns. Um, and there'll be, an, there'll be another day. They'll, they'll know when the time's right to reach out. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's about remaining true to your, your North Star, you know, your moral compass bearing.
1: I couldn't agree more. And for those of you listening, or or for those who don't know you, would you mind sharing a bit about how you came to be where you're currently at and the the journey you've taken from working in 33 different countries to um, what you do now?
2: So yeah, I was uh, I was born and bred in Lincolnshire, a very conservative background, and and. uh, did my A levels and didn't really know what I wanted to do. To be honest, I applied for every bank and building society in in Boston, and and then took a last minute decision to follow my my father's career choice, which was uh, engineering. Um, so I did my degree uh, at Sheffield City Polytechnic back in eighty eight to ninety two. For anybody who remembers polytechnics then, um, and when I when I launched myself into into the world of business in ninety two as as an engineer, my degree was in construction. Um, British Telecom was starting to lose their monopoly on the fiber network or copper networks and there was a lot of u s money starting to arrive on these shores and and I became um, uh, the first employee of a, a joint venture um, this joint venture was between uh, a company called Peter Keywitt & Sons, which is a magnificent company. It taught me so much. Um, I, I suppose they're, they're one of the largest main contractors in, in the USA. Um, and they'd formed a joint venture with a company called uh, 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 McCourt's, McCourt Communication. And that was led by a gentleman called David McCourt, who you may well know of.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so David McCourt was my first... Uh, mentor um, back in 1992. In fact, he was my, my boss, my employer. Um, so he sent me to the States uh, for uh, just under a year. I uh, worked all over the States on um, Lockham Dam 16, on the Mississippi and Dallas and Omaha. Oh, amazing. Had the, had the good fortune to have um, have dinner with uh, with Warren Buffett over there. Um, oh,
1: amazing
2: so lots lots of experiences, and then I came back and was really thrown in as as the American culture does you know it's uh, you know if you're if you're six foot tall, they'll throw you in at six foot six depth of water and and I really absorbed that and uh, and loved it um I, I i will always be the first one to put my hands up you know I'll work out the how but i'll i just grasp the opportunity um and I, uh, I've done you know a lot, lot of things in my time, and and one of those was uh, I would always throw myself into the most challenging situations I could, not necessarily out of desire, but just like somebody had to do it, and you know it's just something that needed to get done. And they yeah. would be so I became our de facto corporate troubleshooter throughout the '90s. And we're talking a you know half a billion dollar organization here, um, and those. Those situations might be uh, contracts, which had gone pear-shaped, client relationships that have broken down, Uh, been an independent investigator in a couple of fatalities, very sadly. Um, We had a uh, a person who was responsible for our Asia Pacific network, uh, which was just about to embark on a a 1.5 billion US dollar uh, deployment of global infrastructure. So I got a four hour call from the chair, <laughs> could you just, um, so I was within four hours, I was uh, over at Heathrow and went across to Sydney and two weeks to do a situation report, came back to the board and the board said, okay, what's your recommendations? I said, well, this, this is what needs to be done. Yep. I said, okay, four hours, get back to Heathrow and go and do it. So, um, I, uh, I was out there for uh, just over nearly two years. Um, and took my, my bride of three months, uh, uh, Sharon, uh, took her over there. And uh, so we ran the, the Asia-Pac region. Um, so, look, I've always been thrown into very challenging situations, as well as running my day jobs. So my organizations uh, that I've been MD of or chairman or CEO, I've always had to run them very systematically because I may not be the, the leader that is there every day. Yeah. I could call that call at any
1: time. Oh, that, make, that makes sense. Making sure it can run kind of without you if you can't be there.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, we, I, I mentioned uh, BT earlier on, or British Telecom as it was back in the 90s, um, very institutionalized environment. And a lot of the expertise that we recruited was, was from the telecoms industry, was from British Telecom. Um, And very quickly I found my management style uh, just really gelled with that environment because there was an environment almost like a civil service environment where, well, if you can do my job, then, you know, they'll get rid of me. Well, my approach was very different. You know, the quicker you can do what I'm doing, the quicker I can promote you in my place and I can get off and do other things, you Mm know, in the business. So there was never any glass ceilings. And, People followed me up through the organization, not in terms of, a you know, adoration style, but just the fact that the, the business needed them to follow a course. And, and the go-getters had a, a very clear roadmap, um, you know, open out in front of them. And the, the other type of individuals that uh, I employed a lot of was... Um, Uh, was people from special forces, Pathfinder units uh, from from military backgrounds. You know, if you imagine um, going to Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan, think any country uh, in uh, Europe, Middle East, Asia, um, when you need boots on the ground quick, and you then need to work out complex problems, you need people who have got strong discipline, great confidence, great courage, but also understand the chain of command as well Mm -hmm. and know their delegated authorities to work within. Um, so, you know, that having that, having that confidence and knowing your mission plan is great, but also knowing where you fit within it and being respectful for all the other roles around you. I found, um, I found some of the uh, the ex military uh, special forces guys were, were just sublime.
1: That makes a lot of sense, actually, because they've obviously have to be disciplined, and then they, that's a transferable skill, isn't it? It's one of those things. It's like with my training and being disciplined in that, I'm able to apply that to business and other areas of life. And you know, if oh, imagine, imagine I'd gone to the military. And <laughs> um, so, where did you like? Have you always felt that? inner confidence to be able to go and, like, make things happen? Like, what...
2: Um, no, I, no, I, I think that would, I, I didn't come out of the womb that way, that, that's for sure. Um, my, I, I remember, um, I, just as I, I was 18 when I became best man for my uncle's wedding, oh. and I'm Absolutely petrified um, of doing this presentation. I came from a s- sleepy town, um, and never done public speaking uh, at all, and uh, and I'd be practicing at the top of the stairs, my presentation full of notes and things. And uh, uh, and a you know a friend of mine said, "Look, you know, just remember, everybody in that audience wants you to succeed." And that little nugget of advice, and I remember you and I having this chat. Um, yeah. you know, probably about a year ago on on that very subject um that just just dispelled the myth all of a sudden. I had people there who wanted to hear what I had to say rather than people who were there ready to trip me up mm-hmm. um, and I think you know that that led me with confidence into into my degree and you know moving to uh, into sheffield but um the the life changing moment for for me, which really just turned my life uh, in in I think uh, a very different direction and, and changed me into the man I am today. And I, I think it was my almost my reset point was uh, uh, when I was um, at Hillsborough on that that fateful day in April two thousand uh, April nineteen eighty nine. Um, and you know when you when you witness a I have four children now. I'm incredibly blessed. Um, but when you see a child take their, their last breath and, you know, the 38 children there took their last breath out those 96 that passed away on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really leaves something kind of seared on your soul. Um, and I, I could have taken my life in a number of different ways. Cause I, I honestly, Natalie, I had no idea how to handle that. And I, Subconsciously, I guess I just padlocked it in a little box in memory plus and um, just left it for time to take its toll, really. Yeah. Um, but a couple of things that came out of that, one of them was I decided that I, I couldn't do anything for, for those that had sadly lost their lives. But I could recognize that they, they couldn't live their life in a fulfilled way. And so I was going to leave absolutely nothing on the table in my life. You know, I would push myself to, to the extreme, to the limit. I would try and achieve as much, see as much, experience as much, as I possibly could, uh, and in some small way pay a, a you know a, a bit of recognition to um, you know those wasted young lives on that day, and and that maybe did start to forge. Um, me pushing the boundaries, whether that be in, in my physical pursuits, certainly in my corporate pursuits. So I would, uh, I've always remained humble to my roots and always knew I could do better, better today than I did yesterday, better tomorrow than I've done today. You know, it's so, uh, those law of incremental changes. So hopefully I think that.
1: That's, that. Yeah, that takes something tragic into something beautiful because you do a lot now um you know to, to give back and like the the book uh, your advice to your younger self which is absolutely phenomenal and thank you so much for asking me to write a chapter in that as well and um, what gave you the idea to to put that together what, where did that, that that come from
2: well i think it probably came although i, I didn't realize it for you know, best part of twenty eight, twenty nine years. It probably did come from from Hillsborough, if yeah. if I'm right. Um, I'd, I'd always wanted to be an author. It was a, a thirty five year itch I wanted to scratch since um, since being in my, you know, probably ten or eleven years old. Um, but I wanted to find a way to when I, I left corporate life and retired from corporate life at the age of forty five. So in two thousand and fifteen, um, and I wanted to find a way to. To help my uh, my children, my my, my four kids um, uh, become confident young adults um, by the time they you know they, they enter the world of adulthood at eighteen, um, but also to uh, to help help curate and nurture the skills um, and create that uh, to bring that creativity. To, to children, I, I really believe um, we're all born very creative. We have to be, um, but this, the schooling system, which for very scant resources, I think they do a, a fantastic job with what they've what they've got. Um, but I don't think anybody ever said you should outsource the entire education of your kids to the schooling system. So it can only ever fill part of the part of the hopper of skills that that we all need. And and I think. One of the downsides of it, it, it can beat the creativity out of people, um, and uh, so I, I want I want to help inspire children to to be creative. I think I used the, the phrase uh, be that idea incubator. Um, there's nothing any of us yeah. can't achieve. It's just what our hearts desire and the the level of sacrifice we're, we're prepared to go through to to, to reach it. So. It, that was the the genesis of of the book. It was that cocktail of thoughts, um, and I, I wanted to, you know, imagine that th- imagine casting your mind back to when when any one of us was maybe thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Knowing what we know now, if somebody put their arm around us and gave us just one or two bits of advice, what would that be? Mm-hmm. And I knew I would be out of my depth writing the book just on my own experiences. I I, I couldn't do the subject justice. So I, I reached out to uh, 48 other people to write a, a chapter each, including yourself, and you mm-hmm. wrote an absolutely marvellous chapter there. Thank and you. It, it, yeah. every one of those chapters, Authors wrote something so genuine, so humbling, so giving, and they gave their time freely um, and it 's a book that you can dive into there is no running order it 's all alphabetical order um, and that to me is part of a a compounding legacy where if you know the, the chapter you wrote or any one of the uh, people wrote. Um, if that chapter, just a few nuggets of wisdom that you've passed on goes on to inspire another 10, 20, 30 other people, um, and then they go on and inspire, then we're creating that compounding force for good.
1: And yeah, I, definitely. I love, I love it too. It's like that ripple effect, isn't it? It's that that's why I tell people to smile at people, to smile at strangers, because if you make it okay to do that and it makes them smile and then they smile at other people and then we just kind of hopefully become smilier, (laughs) more happy people. And, you know, things like that make such a difference to, to people's lives and to be able to think back to being that young and being able to put, not put ideas in their head, but give them something to help them to be more creative and live a, a, a better and a, di- a more different life than they might have done without it. I think that's why that book's so beautiful to have, to have done and to have put together. There's some amazing stories in
2: there. Yeah, it really was very, very humbling. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it was lovely. And to be able to help. You know the reach of a book to be able to help more people than than ever I could through uh, any other medium was um, was was just wonderful and and obviously with with forty nine of us as chapter authors um, the the reach is you know extremely expensive so it was a great collaborative effort and uh, thank you so much for for what you did really appreciate
1: it my pleasure. I will be putting um the links to that in the show notes as well so that people can find that. Um, so obviously we were talking about um discipline and going through when you were when you were younger and then changing um, and what you were doing in terms of increasing your confidence and then doing more and pushing more to not just in business but in, in like health as well. So I know you've done a lot of like endurance running. What how how did you decide right I'm gonna I'm gonna do this I've seen some lovely pictures of your feet (laughs) (laughs) because health is so important and in like to me health is wealth and the the healthier you can be the clearer your mind is and then the more you can do so what was what was that and what's what's the the biggest achievement you you think you've had in in that area
2: yeah, it's a really good question. I'll start with the last question. Then the the biggest achievement I think was harnessing the power of my mind and my body together. Um, I set out with a goal, and it took me probably into my late thirties to come up with the with, with with how to achieve it. But going back to you know living a, living a life that was true to those people I saw take their last breath all those years back, um, I wanted to find out what the depth of my reserve tank was. Um, I think we just, we pond skate through life. Um, we never really uh, quite often take true meaningful you know, depth and, and understand our true capability. And we, the, the human brain is the single most powerful thing ever, ever created um and combine that with with the human body um what can we achieve if if our heart really desires if you want it you know bad enough and i um uh i started off uh doing um a triathlon and i my first triathlon was uh, was an ironman uh, ironman switzerland well actually no, <laughs> it was it was ironman uk actually um and i did uh uh, I did the the half Ironman, and then a week, uh, and then a month later, I did Ironman Switzerland. And this is an example of uh, of just getting the head and the uh, head, the heart, and the uh, the body all synchronized. So the half Ironman, I'd figured it would take me around about six to seven hours to do, and it truly took me uh, around about six and a half hours. And I was in bits at the finishing line. Uh, you know, that was my last step, you know. They're not easy. <laughs> no, no, it, was, it really took, took it out of me. Um, and then, it, you know, as the uh, recovery sort of uh, week of recovery and then into a little bit of light training leading up to Ironman Switzerland, uh, only four weeks later, I was starting to, okay, so how quick could I do the full Ironman? Well, I suppose the natural thing is to take your half Ironman, double it, so that would be six and a half to 13 hours, and then add a bit, so 13 to 14 hours. So I ended up um, running the full Ironman in um, just over 12 hours.
1: Oh, wow. Well done.
2: (laughs) By doing no more real exercise um, in that month, how can you possibly go from not being able to take another step forward? To actually running twice the distance and swimming and, and cycling twice the distance, you know, and, and that's yeah. Uh, if you know, those who don't know, it's two point eight miles, and, and then cycle hundred and twelve miles through the Swiss Alps, um, and then run a marathon. How can you do that in you know, in pro rata less the time? So yep. I I didn't really I didn't really enjoy the swimming. To be honest, uh, it's a bit of a pain trying to find a swimming pool. Uh, the bike was too many bits that would fall off with a bike. In fact, somebody once said to me, they said, uh, Mark, rather than mess around with all these titanium bolts and shaving a few grams, why don't you lose half a stone off your ass?" <laughs> I thought that was a bit harsh, but, yeah, you know, fair point. Um, what I really enjoyed, um, probably going back to the time I've spent doing outdoor pursuits and skydiving and in the TA and mountaineering and scuba diving, I love being in the outdoors. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I really enjoyed running, but not on tarmac. I, I like just immersing myself in nature, getting some muddy trainers on, and getting out in the woods and the hills, and and just running. And I found that um, everybody could beat me over a hundred meters, over five hundred meters, over a kilometer. Um, but I just had a an innate skill to uh, of almost separating the two types of pain. You know, the pain that will um, will take you out you know, heat stroke, hypothermia, dehydration, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, to the, the inconvenient pain, you know, the toenails falling off and chafing and things like that, and blisters. Um, so I set a, a goal to really push myself in ultramarathon running, trail running. Um, so that would uh, culminate for me in running uh, 110 miles in 24 hours. Um, that was in a single stage race went through the night and your mind goes through some very, very strange places. Um, what
1: did you think about whilst you were doing that? Like what pushed you through to the end?
2: Um, well, I had a goal and I've, I've always, if I've got a goal, I've already met it. I just need to work out the mechanics of how to get there. It's just yep. a conditioned mindset I guess I've always, always had. So when I did... When I, when I signed up for Ironman Switzerland, um, I hadn't done any training. The first three things I did in the first fortnight was I, I went down to the swimming baths and did 2.8-mile swim. I got on a bike and cycled 112 miles, and then I, I went and ran, crawled, walked, limped a marathon, you know, all the different days, but I knew I'd broken it down and I could do it. Then it was mm-hmm. about just refining it anybody can get on a bike and cycle 112 miles might take you you know 5 hours. might take <laughs> <you> <laughs> 25 hours but we can all do it if we want to so you know it's breaking the problem down but that mindset of well the the goal's not in in, in doubt you know I'm going to achieve it it's just mm-hmm. wow. um so that was that was my focus um what goes through my mind um Look, there are when you've been running for seventeen, eighteen hours solid. It's snowing. It's the middle of winter. It's pitch black. It's three in the morning. Um, you are just cut, bruised. You know, stumbling. Um, your whole body just wants to lie under a hedge and go to sleep. Um, there's just something there that reminds you of, um, of of why you're trying to achieve it, and. All, all my ultra marathons. I've run the London Marathon, but you know, running down Pall Mall um, or the Mall for, for to the finishing line is not really my cup of tea. Um, nice. My the, the finish of my ultra marathons would probably be at five in the morning. You know, mist is coming over the fields. Start. You know, sun's starting to come up, and it'll be a, a few people with maybe some hexy burners there and getting a brew on, a couple of flags, and that will be the finishing line. And you just sat there with that quiet contemplation of, I did what I set out to achieve. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that quiet uh, achievement, and to me, that's um, that's that's the goal that that I'm setting out to to achieve. That that feeling is just tantalising.
1: I I'm exactly the same. It's like if I say I'm going to do something, it's it's already happened in my head it's just working out how to get there so i like the way you you know you broke that down and you did that and it's like so it's so i've already done it it's just actually the real doing it <laughs> that that side of it and and having that confidence in yourself to know that you are going to do it no matter what because you said you would and was is part of that not wanting to let yourself down not letting the goal down
2: I, I think I think both of those, to be honest, um, and also uh, that humility. You know, humility is one of the strongest uh, strongest attributes, I think, in anybody, whether in business or not. But having that humility to learn new skills along the way. Um, when I when I was training for the Marathon des Sables back in two thousand eleven, um, which is you know two hundred and sixty kilometres across the Saharan desert. Um, you know, how do you train for that? Um, I mean, these days you can go into environmentally conditioned chambers and running and things, but you know, back when I did my training, it was literally putting on a, you know, 10, 15, 20 kilo rucksack and just beasting myself through the hills. Um, now we're not, when we got there, you know, the temperatures on the hottest day, it was 54 degrees and, um, I won't say 54 degrees in the shade because I couldn't find any shade.
1: There wasn't any shade.
2: <laughs> and and to, to have your water rationed as well, you know, 10 litres of water a day. And that's for eating, drinking, hygiene. Well, we'll scrub the hygiene. That was pretty low on the list, to be honest, <laughs> come <laughs> to think of it. Um, yeah, that's but, definitely you know, the least important bit there. <laughs> yeah, it's learning those new skills. Um, and there's a real hunger for that. And I, I think that's the... Uh, the bit of the, the, the free spirit of, of finding finding the new challenges in so many different areas, pushing yourself, learning, experiencing. Not just experiencing what life has to offer, but experiencing how you adapt um, to, to change is I think it's wonderful, you know, knowing thyself.
1: It is. It's, it's important to know yourself as well, isn't it? It's how, how do you... How do you respond and react to things, and when things don 't quite go your way or you 're feeling like that self doubt creep in how do you how do you overcome that and knowing that within yourself and um, is an important thing to know it 's like emotional intelligence, so was there a time or has there been a specific time that you can think of where you were uh, not feeling capable or confident in yourself? And what did you do to overcome that particular thing?
2: Yeah, I'd probably probably go back to my troubleshooting days um, where I would be dropped into maybe sister companies um, by the chairman at a moment's notice, not knowing what was coming. So forget preparation, that didn't exist. It was kind of boots on the ground, get in there mm-hmm. and work out the problem. Um, and you, you, you can't fake authenticity. So I know, to be honest, I never tried. I'm, I'm a crap actor. Um, so I just go in there with who I am. I lead by my wits and my experience. If you're humble and learn from those experiences, you know, that keeps you safe and assured along the way and, and keeps you at at a, at a level that most people can resonate with. And you know, I've been in environments where I've had to make um, 500 people redundant, um, at very short notice, uh, back 20 years ago now. Um, now I could have done that any number of ways, but the way I decided to do it was, uh, we hired a, a very, very large hall, uh, conference center. And, uh, that was a relatively short meeting, a couple of hours, but I stood on stage and told people what was going to happen. This is the process.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I could have done that with a letter. Could have had husbands and wives phoning their partners at work, saying, "You just had a letter arrived, and you're now on notice." Mm -hmm. But I decided, let's tell, let's respect people for who they are, what they've achieved, what they've done, and what they're about to achieve in their next endeavours in life. But you know, let's let's do this with a with a certain sense of style and and honour, and give them the respect for that. And it wasn't easy. You know, some people want to throw rocks at you, some people want to want to take a um you know a, a counseling session out of it, some people want to um you know just give you a hug, you know. It's so you get all the gamut of emotions, and some of those are delayed emotions as well. <laughs> but I can think of other circumstances where things are economically awry. Um where, you know, we had a power station where a, a bank, we breached a bank long stop. And that's, uh, you know, 30 million pounds of bank funding. Um, and the bank were about to pull the plug. And they, they, they had a, a pretty secure um, security package there. So to, my first role there was to interview all the team, all the staff. What's happened? Why? How did it get to this stage? If you go in there jabbing an accusing finger, you're going to get shut down. Um so you know bringing the team on board, making sure I understood exactly what it was, meeting with the bank, imagine doing a renegotiation of a thirty million pound facility of a power station that didn't work
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: we 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 renegotiated an eighteen month term facility an extension uh, interest free and uh, and we were able that to some skills uh, yeah it 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 does um and uh, I remember sat uh, on one side of the table. I, I took uh, I took a lawyer and a barrister into that meeting to start off that negotiation.
1: Yeah. The
2: bank had 17 lawyers, 17 lawyers on the other side of the table. 17?
1: 17, 17, 17 to your three? Well, three of you. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. So, uh, so look, there are, there are different challenges in, in life. Um, and you have to bring your your, your wits to bear. But – I think leading with uh, with with who you are, you know, my uh, business partner who passed away three or four years ago, uh, Pete, um, always used to wear his heart on his sleeve. Now I'm I'm probably not quite as uh, uh, transparent as 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 what Pete was, but um, you know, just uh, just being who you are, uh, knowing who you are, is a good start to being who you are. You know, and sometimes it takes people a lifetime to work that out. Um, so I guess who I am is a patchwork quilt of all those emotions, all those experiences, some very difficult, some very tragic, some incredibly enjoyable, um, and taking you know, positives, as you said earlier, taking positives from every one of those experiences and, and hopefully leaving something uh, at the foot of the people who were, were part of those experiences with me.
1: Oh, definitely. It's it's a, a culmination of, like you say, a patchwork quilt. It's a culmination of everything. And I think trying to, or rather, not trying to, but actually enjoying the process of getting to know yourself, like throughout life, because you are uh, you, you grow at different stages. Like I'm not the same person I was ten years ago. But some of those experiences that I had um, are are a part of me and have made me. Who I am today. And it's, you know, to everybody that's, that's listening, it's understanding that it's okay that something happened as long as you're learning along the way and enjoying finding yourself and, you know, just appreciate where you're at at the moment. And it's like keeping one foot in the present and one foot in the future, looking for betterment, but having gratitude for now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a, gr- a great quote and I, and I always enjoyed this quote for many years, but but then I took a different view on it and um, you probably heard the quote, um, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really believe that for many years, and, but over recent years, and I guess with the pace of change of, of life as well, I've begun to realize in my own mind that, that actually it's even worse than that. You know, if you, if you do what you've always done, You'll increasingly get less and less and less. You become less and less relevant because the pace of change. Everybody else is changing around you. You actually, you know, take a step back. You yeah. go backwards in life. Um, so change is inevitable. You know, change is the only constant. Um, and I've I've always loved that. I've always embraced change. I've I've always um, embraced fear. Um, whether that would be um, becoming a, an advanced diver. Uh, I used to skydive from helicopters back in the 90s. That was my passion. Amazing. Um, I used to do quite a bit of free climbing. Um, you know, loved all that stuff. Um, but that's all pushing out of the comfort zone. And, you know, was I afraid? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if you can't control your emotions, then... Um, you're just going to be just another ranter and raver in life, and uh, so you know, I, I like. Um, there's a great book actually, yeah, called uh, um, "The Quiet Soldier." The
1: Quiet soldier.
2: Guy, I don't know whether I've got it here. Actually, um, oh, here we go. My my bookcase there. It's there you, the Quiet soldier.
1: Um, oh yeah.
2: Adam Ballinger, and um, it's, uh, it's a book about um, uh, a guy uh, went into the territorial SAS and the amount of commitment through keeping the day job relationships um, but, you know, doing the hard training. And he made the sacrifices to achieve. But, you know, I've always, that, that quiet achiever, the quiet soldier, that, that's always had a particular resonance um, with me.
1: I'm going to check that one out. That sounds like a good read. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that and so I'm going to ask another on, on the on the flip side of feeling unconfident when was the time you felt like the most confident and had the most belief in something that you were doing?
2: That's a very good question um I can think of a few occasions and this might not be as quite as positive as you hoped I might say, but um, uh, probably the most confident I've ever felt is just before I've made some pretty big howlers in corporate life. You know, that supreme level of confidence yeah. and then they're dashed on the rocks. You know, you've become that little bit complacent. You've just taken it too far, um, too edgy. Um, but uh I, I think lead, leading teams has probably been the area that um I've been very confident in over the years. Very I, I've just loved um embracing what leadership is about. Um about there's nothing more satisfying than um bringing somebody up through the ranks. Um them gaining confidence, them achieving things out with of what they, they they never believed, they could never comprehend, they would be a leader of people um, uh, as, as an example. Um, and uh, that, that really resonated with me, leading people over the years, um, whether that be presenting, um, whether that be in dynamic, challenging situations where, you know, the the Houston we've got a problem type moments that many organizations have from time to time. Um, So to me, it would be encompassed in, in, in leadership.
1: I think you're very good at that. Well, rather than very good, excellent. From you know everything that you you do and the way you do it, your mindset's just absolutely phenomenal. Which is why I thought you'd be a fantastic guest um, on the podcast. Um, I'm going to ask you one more question. um where where are you happiest? Where's your happy place?
2: A tone with my wife and my children. Um, to me, that's, uh, that's absolutely wonderful. Um, I subscribed uh, and voted with my feet in 2015 when I left corporate life. It wasn't easy to leave. It took me nine months and I had to go through a, an awful lot of challenging restructuring before I closed the door and turned the lights out. But what I subscribed to from from not the moment I left, but the moment I informed the company I was leaving, you know, nine months before I left. At that moment, my world shifted. The company were then working for me rather than me working for the company. Um, they were in effect funding my, my exit, but I was subscribing to a, a life of, of freedom of choice. And I, freedom of choice to me is, is, is absolutely everything. It's living life on my own terms. I've seen... I've seen so much waste in corporate life. I've seen so much waste in in lives unfulfilled and and young lives uh, cut short. And um, so, having the the freedom of choice and being able to push boundaries, really explore who you are, um, achieve fantastic things, um, uh, and have wonderful experiences with people you love um, is uh, is just a magnificent feeling. So that would be that would be it for me.
1: Oh, that is actually beautiful, <laughs> it, and it is, and it, it's lovely. Um, and just then one more thing, so, which might actually be the same thing as you, you've just said, but if you could give people one tip to help them increase the, their self-belief and confidence in their lives, what would it be?
2: Don't procrastinate. If you want to get to version 10, start with version 1. Just make a start. Make a start, create those incremental. The start could be it could be starting to run, starting to walk a kilometre. If you then want to, you know, run a marathon, but just make a start and just trust your own instincts that the the evolutionary process will take you very very quickly. So I'm having this chat with uh, with somebody earlier on um, who I work closely with, and uh, they wanted to write a book. And uh, I said, look, if you want to write a book, open up a blank Word document, open it up now while I'm there with you and just write the word title. I don't want you to write a title, just write the word title and then start on the contents list. Just make a start. You will get to version 10, version 15, version 20, but you have to start with version one.
1: Yep, you can't get anywhere without starting. That's fantastic advice. (laughs) So um, thank you so much. I think this is, well, I know the listeners are going to absolutely have loved this episode. And where can people follow you and find you um, online? Because we don't, we don't do in-person stalking. We only do online stalking.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, you can follow me uh, on Facebook. Um, I've got my own uh, Facebook uh, group, uh, Mark Stokes UK uh, follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and, uh, and SaaS Alliance as well. So uh, a number of areas. If yeah. you want to find me,
1: you'll find me. Yeah. I'm going to put all of, the, all of your links in the, the show notes as well, and the links to your books as well. It's not just the advice of your younger self. You have the commercial conversions and the SaaS book as well. So you I'll are um, Are you writing another one?
2: Uh, Yes. Yeah, that should be out in June.
1: Yes. Uh, Awesome. I look forward to reading that too. Brilliant. Cool. Well, thanks so much again. um, And I will let the listeners get in touch.
2: Brilliant. Thank you so much for everything you do, Natalie. Really appreciate it. Thank
1: you.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with people you think it will help. And stay tuned and subscribe for weekly episodes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube by searching for Natalie Arabella Bailey. And join the Better Together for confidence and mindset Facebook community to improve your confidence, network, and life.